Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Who is God? Are our ideas about the divine based on the human race's experiences with aliens? How would human religions and cultures respond to the disclosure of alien life? Hello and welcome to the 1004th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WOON AM and FM Radio in Winsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and uh, all sorts of other spots, especially here live, WOON, here at the corner of Park Ave and Kennedy Street in Winsocket, Rhode Island. I'm Ben and that was Paul and today we bring you a new friend on some very basic questions that may have some very interesting answers. E.T. experiencer, UFO researcher, and biblical scholar L.O. LeBain is the author of the six-book series Who's Who in the Cosmic Zoo, a guide to E.T.'s, aliens, exoplanets, and space controversies. Originally from New York City, L.O. was educated in Israel. In 1979, she received a social sciences degree from the Biological Research Center of of Negev, uh, a department of Ben-Gurion University. Ben-Gurion. Ben-Gurion, jeez. University, where she studied biblical Hebrew and science, going on to receive an astronomy degree from the Hayden Planetarium in New York City in 1988. Uh, Her own close encounters caused her to dig deeper into what has become a 44-year journey to get to the truth about UFOs, aliens, ETs, gods, plural, and angels, and how they all fit into our end times scenario. Ella lives in Colorado. Her website, who's who in the cosmic zoo.com. And today we will, we will be looking into uh, book two of the series, Who is God? Ella LeBain, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. Hello. Well, Ella, let's, let's start with a very, <laughs> with, a, with a firecracker of a question. Who is God? 25 words or less. Okay. Well,. Uh, God, G-O-D, is a title. So there are uh, multiple gods, and there's also the God of gods. So uh, what I um, offer in uh, Who is God, Book 2, is a cast, is, is delineating and identifying a cast of characters of gods, as well as showing uh, who the god of gods is, the creator god. So just to distinguish between them. Okay, that was 25 words or less. All right. um, (laughs) One of the things that if you read the writings of Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, he um, talks about God in the singular. And he was a Hindu, or that's kind of a European word. And uh, the Hindus are renowned as polytheists, worshippers of more than one god. But uh, perhaps you can comment on the concept that um, polytheists, very often, the educated ones anyway, will, will essentially worship one god in many forms. Is that correct? Well, um, I, I'm, I'm no expert on Hinduism, but yes, you are correct. It is polytheism, and I guess it really depends on who you speak to as to, because 
you know, some of them will go and worship different gods for different reasons, you know, like the fertility god or the god of protection or the god of destruction, and they uh, beseech them for, you know, whatever purpose they need. Um, and this is very similar to um, ancient Egypt, which was also um, uh, polytheistic. Um, and it wasn't until the pharaoh Akhenaten uh, arrived on the scene where he inserted monotheism into the Akashic record of the planet, so to speak, and even though they didn't exactly embrace it um, completely, uh, when he left, they went back to uh, polytheism. But he still did his purpose because it uh, planted the seed for monotheistic religions that came later. Now we, ben, did you want uh... Oh yeah, sorry. I was trying to trying to pull up something in- interesting. Well, I, can, I have another question if you want to. Well, please, by yeah. all means, Father. Um, I've always been fascinated by Akhenaten, uh, who, uh, oddly enough, uh, was a very strange-looking cat, and uh, he Definitely. apparently had some sort of what today we might interpret as a UFO experience in the middle of the desert someplace. And all of a sudden he was converted to monotheism, the worship of one god, namely the sun disk. Interesting use of a term. And I've looked that up and it, that's pretty much what it says in ancient Egyptian. How do you interpret that? Now, now a lot of people don't realize that uh, his successor, none other than King Tut, restored uh, polytheism to Egypt, much to the relief of the priestly class. So uh, why do you interpret that event? That's really strange. Well, yes, you're correct. That's exactly what happened. They went right back to polytheism. That's where they were before Akhenaten came. Um, So I have uh, um, a piece of history that I uh, researched about him that's uh, in my uh, first book, uh, Who's Who in the Cosmic Zoo, and that Akhenaten came from the Sirius star system. Seriously, you know, serious. Uh, uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a trinary system, and you know, uh, as you said, he 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 was a strange looking dude, um, and and that was because he was alien. Um, uh, he had the elongated head, uh, and you know, they're seeing uh, these skulls uh, all over the place on the planet. Um, in our, you know, archaeology, just so that it's evidence that these beings existed once on Earth. Um, <clears throat> I think that his mission was to insert the idea of uh, oneness, of a one God, of everybody coming together under one umbrella, so to speak. Um, and even though, uh, as you said, you know, <clears throat> they, they didn't hold on to it, it still got recorded in the Akashic record of the planet, which means that now, you know, later on, it was a seed that was planted, and then people had that idea. So when Moses uh, appeared on the scene, 
he was very similar because he was also talking about one, you know, preaching and teaching one God. Well, what's interesting? Oh, go ahead, Ben. So there's, I, I want to offer offer a little a little spin ever so slightly. So if we're if we're going to go off of biblical terms and such, right? So the function of of let's say I don't know angels. It's a goofy word. I feel like it has a lot of baggage in English, but we're going to use it in the sense of messengers, right? You know, they they take things, bring it up to you know um, Yahweh or God Most High, etc. Right? And um, there's a really interesting part in the Book of Job where Job's you know. He's, he's all defeated, he's sitting on the dung pile, and his wife comes up to him, and he's like, well, to whom will you plead your case, right? So it's like, so what's, so he's like, alright, well, I guess I'll go find this angel, and we'll go to him, and there's the whole trial and all that stuff. There was an <coughs> argument I heard made that essentially the polytheistic gods, right, the gods of the nations, right, were these sort of messengers that were supposed to go to God Most High, and then some of them just stopped. They were like, "Yeah, no, we're not going to do that." Because effectively, if we're going to if we're going to try and, and number the, the the falls of angels, right? There were effectively like five. You know, it, there's essentially five different falls of them, maybe, right? If we're trying to c- categorize it. But in this sense, is it is it possible, right? You know, let's say that there's some sort of extraterrestrial presence. God's this extraterrestrial being, or you know, a, a consciousness, or whatever you want to call it, right? These intercessors, right? These things that sort of are a mediatrix between us and the divine. There was a disconnect, right? Whether it's polytheistic or not, does that make them lowercase g gods or beings through which we communicate to the others to something else? You follow what I'm saying? I do, and those are all really great questions. So let me start with, first of all, you brought up the book of Job. And in the book of Job, Job 1 and Job 2, it in, in the original Hebrew, it, it, it's basically talking about a council of gods. Mm. Okay, So that gives you a different scenario of a cast of characters that... that, that is is involved in this drama that that Job was in. Okay, so we we read at the beginning that Job was a favored uh, child of God. Uh, God uh, the the Lord blessed him with a big family, and he had lots of cattle, and he was a rich man, and and he was favored in God's eyes. As far as God was concerned, he really wasn't you know he wasn't doing anything wrong. Okay, and that's an important piece of the story because in the Bible he's he had you know like the the first recorded nervous breakdown and why did that happen? So so we we see that there's a, a character that comes in that says in, in Job one and Job two uh, the first of all the word Elohim is used so oh now yeah the big one we have to talk about this word because yep. this is a uh, this is plural, okay? In Hebrew, as we said earlier, it's a very specific language. Mm-hmm. Hebrew is a language of physics, okay? It describes things as they are. You're either sing- it's either singular or it's plural. It's either masculine or it's feminine. Mm-hmm. There are 52 genders in Hebrew, and and Elohim is a masculine plural word, which means gods with an s. Mm-hmm. And I would also put a little G on it, okay? 
because it's a it's a group, it's a pantheon of them, a council of them. So so it says in Job one that that uh, that he went to the courts of heaven, Satan. Uh, the Elohim went to the courts, and Satan was among them. Among who? Among the Elohim. Okay? So the word Satan is used with the word Elohim in Job 1 and Job 2. That tells us that there was some sort of a meeting going on in the courts of heaven over Job. And the exchange was, oh, well, Job is what's your favorite child. Well, I mean, I bet, you know, and he wanted to test him. He wanted to say, well, he'll, he'll deny you. He'll reject you. He'll rebel against you. He'll curse you even if you take all these blessings away from him. Let's see what he can do. So the Lord, who gets to make those decisions, allowed it. And he said, sure, okay, but Job is my child. I'm sure he's going to be, you know, he had faith in him that he was going to continue. And then you see this whole story, this whole drama, where he takes all this stuff away and he ends up with the with the sores and the this and the that. And he ends up with a nervous breakdown, essentially. And then he's like going to God and like, oh, why is this happening to me? The very thing I feared the most has come upon me. So it wasn't because he he was a, a terrible sinner and he got punished, okay? It was because the gods wanted to test him and the Lord allowed it. And the opening, the spiritual legal ground that allowed him to come in and lose everything was fear, mm. okay? And fear is the opposite of faith. So... Mm. And, and that's, the, that's the lesson that we have in this story, is that it's more important to have faith in God, even if it's faith that is, like, because we walk by faith, not by sight. So, so we, we, sometimes we're tested there. I mean, oftentimes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daily cases, um, in, the wor- in the way the world is today. And, and that's a switch that we have to, like, either switch on, and be aware of that in ourselves. I mean, you know, the, the consciousness is to be conscious of who you are. You know, are you operating in fear or are you operating in faith in your creator God? Okay, because he created you. He gave you breath and that breath can go like gone in a second. Oh, yeah. Okay? Yep. Well, um, no, go ahead, man. So that that does that is super, it is very interesting because it's not the only place where the council of the gods is mentioned, right? You know, Psalm eighty two pops out, right, where it's like you know God stood among the council of the gods, and a lot of modern day yes. Westerners will look at that and scratch their heads and say, "What well, what is this? Is this is this the same council?" Uh, I I I think so. Uh, it's pretty consistent through the scriptures. Um, the word Elohim shows up thousands of times uh, through the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and beginning with the Book of Genesis, uh, the the most you know famous uh, scripture is 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 the creation uh, of man uh, in Genesis three. And okay, now and the whole entire sentence is in plurality. That's right. In Hebrew linguistics, and so it translates to let us. Make man in our image according to our likeness, and we make them male and female, and they're equal in God's sight. 
Okay, so there, there's differentiation between the genders, but they still have equal uh, standing and equal importance. And that's how it started, okay? So, um, you know, what, what transpired years later because of what happened with the Nephilim, okay, another plur uh, word that is in its plurality, which originally, like the word nafal means to fall. Mm, yeah. Okay? So Nephilim are, are translated as the fallen ones or fallen angels. And they, there's also, you know, sometimes they translate it as giants because they were huge. And we know that when we read the beginning of, uh, of, the, of the Old Testament in Genesis, everyone was living to be like 960 or whatever. And then after the floods of Noah, this, which, are, which I call the second group of floods, because the Bible begins, Genesis 1-1 begins after the first flood. So it says, oh, and the Spirit hovered over the waters of the earth and then started recreating everything again. So, so I call that Lucifer's flood. Um, Dake, uh, the Dake um, Bible also calls it, you know, they believe that it coincides with uh, Plato's account of the uh, destruction and the sinking, the cataclysm that happened during the times of Atlantis. Mm. So, and we know through archaeology that there were m more than one great deluge, okay? It wasn't just the floods of Noah. But going back to that, the, the, the beings that were put on the earth right after the first flood in the beginning of the book of Genesis are different than the beings that that came about after Noah's flood. For instance, we live our telomeres, our DNA, if we stay in good shape and all that, we can live to be 120 in this form. Back before the floods of Noah, everybody lived to be like 950. So something changed. And that was, in my opinion, uh, the genetic... Um, manipulation downgraded okay of of humans so so when people refer to the fall of man and and you have those whole litany of curses that came down on the earth on Adam and Eve and and everything that that not not to say that that didn't happen it did and we are all under a curse and we're all waiting it says all of creation moans and groans for the redemption of of the Lord all of creation not just us Okay, the earth was cursed. Everything was cursed. But it wasn't just about the curse. It was also about a genetic downgrading of our human DNA. Mm. Because when, when Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden with, uh, with the Lord, they had everything. They were walking in their glory bodies. And, and, and Lucifer, who came as, as a serpent, and, and here's... This is another missing piece of this story, and it has to do with the fact that, that the Church of Rome rejected all these ancient Jewish texts, where Jews continue to use them and see them as, as history and, and the Word of God. So the first and second book of Adam and Eve tell the whole story about what happened. We, in, in the book of Genesis, we only have a brief synopsis. 
and it's all about oh you know it was a piece of fruit and and Eve and this and that if you read the whole story you see that this was this drama that played out between uh, uh, Adam and Eve Satan who was Lucifer I call him Lucifer Satan and the Lord and the angels and he just he did not want these beings on the earth this was his kingdom he lost it to the first flood and even though that that the Lord wanted to uh, repopulate the earth and put his you know the Elohim put their their uh, uh, creation on there Satan Lucifer Satan wanted to continue to rule and this is what this whole drama was about so we're if, if that was in the Bible I think a lot of us okay regardless of which side and which religion you come from we'd have a different understanding of the spiritual battle that we're all immersed in so you brought up many interesting things that I really want to pursue and I wish we had more than an hour um, one of the things well, I think we're going to do more shows probably yes so I, I want to introduce something prior prior to the well we have a few minutes up before our break so I'm, I want I want to I want to talk about something there's two things I really want to get to one is Gigantomachy the second one um, which is essentially the war of the giants right that's that's recorded throughout you know different Mediterranean sort of mythologies up to and including you know is, is uh, you know the Hebrews etc um the other portion of it, I think, is incredibly important, and nobody talks about this enough, which is a cosmological anthropology, right? We, as modern-day, um, you know, good old materialists, right, we, we, we see ourselves as apart from the world. And Charles Taylor, the wonderful uh, Canadian philosopher, has this very interesting way in which, you know, we, he describes the self, right? So there's two sort of versions of, of the self. There's the, the modern self, sort of the, the modern man, which is the buffered self, right? We, we, set, we build a wall between us and the world so we can analyze its parts and break it down. Then there's the porous self, which is sort of the pre-modern man, which is thinking, which the border between oneself and the world is fluid. How we interact with the world is a give and take. And one of the really interesting things that I learned over the last few years of listening to a lot of different different lectures and, and reading reading different books is is how ancient people viewed themselves as a part of the world, right? We really like to think nowadays that everything is broken into parts, right? And that, you know, spirituality is kind of tacked on at the end, Mo- mostly thanks to our 19th century German friends who viewed science, you know, history as a science that we can break apart and analyze. But you know, even Aristotle will tell you that we can't know the essence of events. So with that in mind, one thing that's super important, I, I heard this very interesting definition of, of the body, right? Because there's so many mentions of bodies, right? You know, the, the body of this, the face of God, you know, walking in the garden. And I heard this definition that was offered up, which was the body is a nexus of powers and potentialities. That the the eyes are not little just squishy things in your head, but they're the power through which we see. You know, the the right arm is is the power through which we we interact with the world, which is why we shake our hands with the right hand. And how these powers, you know, they 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 come, they go, they switch, they change. So it's you know it's this definition that changes how we view things in an ancient context. Because rather than seeing it as well, you know, you know, Tutankhamun there, he, you know, he consolidated his kingdom, 
And, I don't know, I guess he considered himself a god because he was just a dumb guy. He didn't know anything. But these people weren't stupid. You know, they built these amazing wonders. And how they viewed themselves in the world was that, you know, the the political, the mythological, the spiritual, the mundane, it was all happening at the same time. And we're, we're missing all of that. And how we interact with the world around us is fluid because it's a constant exchange and giving of these powers that we, you know... We have the ability to walk, move around, but sometimes they go away. Sometimes, you know, they change. And it's and it's interesting because it changes how we view how the people in, you know, and particularly the Old Testament interact with the world. And so with, with that sort of idea of a cosmic anthropology behind this, when we, when we look at these texts... There's there's such a depth to it that we miss because it's like okay well you know they're talking about giants who cares you know that that isn't a thing it's it could just be an allegory for something else but in your opinion just based on all the other you know evidence other stories and things these beings did exist correct whether they're extraterrestrial something spiritual or what absolutely yes they the giants did exist and they still do. Uh, we have reports of, of giant uh, encounters or activity or sightings uh, in Antarctica and Israel. Um, I believe you have my fourth book, um, and in there I have a chapter on uh, that was uh, uh, my my friend who has passed on, uh, Barry Hamish, who was uh, Israel's. Uh, leading ufologist in the 1990s mm-hmm. and uh, he had given me permission to uh, republish uh, some of the reports of giants being uh, seen in Israel in modern day Israel hmm. okay so we know that just you know based on the biblical record we also have archaeology that's been hidden and forbidden and cover it up uh, that giants existed on this planet they lived and there's um, remnants of them all over the place so it's hard to deny evidence and science and reports and we also see um, evidence uh, literally etched in stone uh, where you see the Sumerian uh, tablets and the Egyptian uh, pictures that show these giant beings um, ruling over lower, smaller beings, which would be the humans. Mm. So there was a genetic uh, manipulation that went on in in the early part of Genesis, and it's it's my opinion. And you were talking about how the body has all these different. You know, portals. I, I, you know, C.S. Lewis said, and this is a great quote to use, because he says, there's no neutral ground in the universe. You're either owned by God or countered by Satan. And even people who are atheists, who have no belief in anything whatsoever, okay, they are not walking around as empty vessels. Okay, so the because of how the human body is created, as you were saying, you know, we have uh, uh, it's not just squishy eyes. It has its vision. It's connected to our brain. It's connected to you know uh, the right arm. All these powers that we have, they they're coveted. 
okay, by these other beings. And this is the consciousness. When people talk about, oh, expanding your consciousness to ascend or to understand this and that about the universe, we, we need to understand that we are multi-dimensional beings, okay? And they see that in us, okay? And that's why they want to use us as vessels. So we have to be very um, discerning and and careful about who we let in to our bodies okay and and who who we seek so unfortunately you know like when people research and then they don't understand at the beginning of the journey that there is um, a battle that is going on over our souls over our minds over our bodies over our spirits and once we get that and we 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 pick a side, okay, then we know, okay, this is who we are representing and 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 we, we can walk in faith, okay, and not be stolen, okay, because our energy is going to be taken from here or put over there, and this is what the aliens do. I mean, the, the uh, abductions can, can actually take memories out of one person and insert them into another person. Okay, so human beings are very, you know, bendy, malleable, flexible. Uh, believe it or not, even you know the real stubborn ones out there, they still are. There's a stronghold in them that makes them that way. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, you can break it down and say, oh well, it's pride or it's this or it's that. No, it's a spiritual energy. Okay, and entities, and 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 that's part of the problem here. Okay, and that's what happened to us as human beings, why we got downgraded, because they want to maintain control over planet Earth and over the creation, which, you know, we are part of that. Well, let's uh, take our mid-show break uh, on that cheery note. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our fascinating guest, Ella LeBain, in just a minute. The St. Anne Arts and Cultural Center is celebrating Christmas in July at Cellos in Woonsocket on July 16th. This family-friendly event will feature tropical holiday music, summer Christmas decor, and of course, Santa and Mrs. Claus will be on hand for pictures. Participate and be entered to win special prizes. To participate, pick up a sponsor card at these supporting businesses. The Honey Shop, Timeless Antiques, Champ's Diner, Missy's Family Restaurant, Bilo's Flowers, Vos True Value Hardware, Little General, or print the card online from the St. Anton Cultural Center website. We're local and live at 99.5 FM, ONAM and FM. Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, WONAM and FM. And Ben, take it away. Yes, so we're back talking with Ella LeBain on interesting cosmological questions and and I I have so many I have so many thoughts um, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with with um, some really some really intriguing things because now that we're we're talking about sort of this idea of Nephilim fallen ones you know etc Og king of Bashan right a very important figure in numbers in Deuteronomy so much so that there was a lot of time and care put into the specific measurements of his bid Right there, that was mentioned very specifically. It was you know 19 cubits by three cubits, cubit being roughly you know the length of your middle finger to 
your uh, elbow, for those who did not know. Um, sometimes there was the king's cubit as well. And, and so one of the really interesting things I found about that was very recently there was a ziggurat discovered. And in that ziggurat was a bed roughly the same dimensions as this. Now, if that doesn't scream, you know, significance, I, I, don't, I don't know what does, right? So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because, um, you know, him, Sion, all these other, other you know, beings were pointed out as, as being, a, you know, a part of these, these sort of, of the, the Nephilim, etc., right? It was called out specifically for this reason. And there's definitely a way of reading it where people are like, well, you know, the, the Hebrews just wandered around and committed genocide. And it's like, well, that's not really what happened, you know. Uh, so w- would you be able to explain this whole process? Um, well, uh, I don't know about the process, but about I the think... the process, it's not the right word, but explaining the, it. <laughs> the, the, the words that, that you just brought up that come out of the Bible, well, first of all, ziggurat, okay? That was translated by my mentor, Zachariah Sitchin, um, as a space uh, station, space port, space port for spaceships, mm. okay? And that's what he proved is that that's what the ancient world did is that they built these you know they looked like pyramids without a top without a cornice and 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 they were used where where spaceships would land okay so the there there's a lot of material in the old testament including what you've just quoted that is very descriptive of um aerospace technology. Um, the book of Ezekiel is probably the biggest piece in the Bible that is aerospace engineering, and it's all about spaceships. I mean, the the, the, the famous uh, story about uh, Blumrick, who uh, basically wanted to debunk um, um, Von Danigan, and he was a NASA rocket scientist, and, and he went in, you know, and, wrote, and, and realized that Von Dannigan was right and wrote his own book about the spaceships of Ezekiel, that this was aerospace uh, engineering. So a lot of what we're getting with, you know, these descriptions are describing these uh, ancient alien-type beings that <laughs> had um, the ability to travel uh, through space. And that's uh, evidence in the Bible. And the giants, okay, were part of that, okay? And that, that was the stories that the giants came. That in, in a, another book that got rejected, it's, it's a very important piece of this story, is the books of Enoch. Mm, yes. In the, yes, and the books of Enoch actually give you a description and name names. There were 200 uh, sons of heaven, sons B'nai Elohim, sons of the gods with an S. Mm. So it wasn't like son of God, like how people describe Jesus. He's the son of God. These were sons of the gods. So this is, gives you a little bit of a different context of of where they came from, who they were. They landed here. They they taught men all kinds of things. They're named. In, in the book of Enoch, and and then they went after the daughters of men. They they were sexually attracted to earth women, and they 
had sex with them, and the women gave birth to these uh, giant Nephilim and miscreants, and and created all kinds of problems. Okay, where where they were blood lusty and sex lusty and going crazy and just you know, and and that's when the Lord came in and said, "Whoa, we got to put an end to this." And wiped them out with the second flood, the floods of Noah. Mm. And right, right before the floods of Noah, you get this whole story about how the angels came down and they just they were banging on the door and they wanted to have, you know, the the men on the earth wanted to have sex with these angels. So the, there's this whole like sexual manipulation that was going on back then. Okay, and you know, there's nothing really new under the sun. And, and here we are today, okay, uh, you know, in 2023, and people are still walking around the planet uh, sexually uh, conflicted and confused and, and, and in bondage to all kinds of stuff. And this is an energy. This is a spirit that, is, that, that you know, that, is, um, that attacks humans and God had all these um, uh, remedies for it, and that's why you have the books, the law books, basically the the you know the Torah, the uh, books of Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy that gave these um, rules for uh, healthy living. Okay, and that's one of the reasons why the Israelites. I just want to insert this in for the history is that um, they became very successful against these pagan armies and these pagan gods because they followed God's rules and they kept themselves clean, okay? So it was, and, and there is something to this. You know, you hear the saying, oh, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, not just uh, personal hygiene, but there was uh, rules about, you know, when to do it, how to do it, when not to do it, all this kind of stuff because of what, you know, you had said in the beginning about how human beings have these powers. You know, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, the orifices of our bodies are portals, okay, for, for spiritual energy to come through and God wants to use us and strengthen us so that we can be a blessing to others. But if people are going to put all kinds of crap inside, okay, or let anything come in without discernment, then you there's a lot of people walking around that's going to be, you know, mentally disturbed, spiritually conflicted, and just sick, okay? Like, it, 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 it has the mind-body-spirit connection is a scientific reality. And I think anyone that, that is involved in heal in the healing uh, arts today knows that I mean this there's ancient remedies you know that we're using to heal ourselves to undo things that we've done that that can create illness and and I think that was the purpose of the rules that God laid out for the ancient Israelites was to keep them healthy so that they could be a strong army and for the most part they succeeded. Okay, until they got um, sucked in and tempted and, you know, then they went after the other gods and that's when they got punished for doing that. Okay, mm -hmm. and then, well, that's the story of the Old Testament. I'm just paraphrasing, but that's pretty much it in a nutshell. 
Well, and, uh, okay, let's let's take a minute before we burn up the hour. Tell us about your website and where people can get uh, your books, which are pretty amazing books. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm at uh, who's who in the cosmic zoo.com and um, my books are also on Amazon and and you can look me up Ella Labane and um, <clears throat> I do have uh, another uh, two books coming out this year. So Very good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm republishing my first book um, under my imprint. So that's a big deal. It's it's a long time coming. So it was originally published in 2012, and it went through several publishers, and then I decided to self-publish. So now I'm republishing it as an expanded, revised fourth edition. Oh, nice. All right, very good. There's one question that always comes up with us, is that uh, this procreation between the sons of the gods and uh, the women of men or whoever would require that the DNA be virtually identical. How does that work? Oh, my goodness. Well. Well, unless they had stunning technology for gene splitting. Yes. This is is basically what was written in stone in the ancient Sumerian tablets, the first test tube baby. So they, they basically took, and this is what goes on in the alien abductions. There's nothing new under the sun here. Okay, the only difference is that they might have put it in a clay tube or a clay pot back in Sumerian times. You're talking about the Karsag epics. The the what? I'm sorry? The Karsag epics. I'm not familiar with that. Like Nin Karsag. Yeah, the Karsag epics of the uh, Sumerian Empire, like Nin Karsag, all those those guys. Yeah, working in their laboratories. (laughs) Nin Karsag, okay. I, I, it was just your accent. Nin Hersog. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Yep. See, see what language does? Right. Get <laughs> here by the New England accent. Well, how you say it. Yes, Nin Hersog. That's right. So so that's exactly what I'm talking about. We're on the same page. Is that it, it, it's described that they basically took um, genetic material, mixed it in a clay pot. That's what it says. So I'm saying that today they're doing the same thing, except it's in, you know, glass tubes, okay? So we've just changed that aspect of it. But it's the same thing, and it's exactly the same thing that goes on during alien abductions, Mm. okay? Where the aliens will take ovum eggs out of women, they will take sperm out of men, they will uh, put them together and, and add their own DNA in, into it, and then they will insert it into a different woman, okay, not necessarily the same woman who produced the eggs for them, and uh, gestate it for two months and then uh, take it away, okay, and grow it in, uh, in their labs, which are underground or uh, in, in the spaceships. And, and this is the whole thing that's going on is the alien human hybridization program okay and 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 it's a thing okay and and this is what they were doing in the past they were trying to recreate humankind or the ultimate replacement theology is to replace earth humans with a new type of human that is infused with alien dna to make the human a more um space-faring, if you will, 
uh, or to be more easily controlled by artificial intelligence because that too is fused in. And this is something that's happening on the surface. This is not just alien abductions, is transhumanism. Okay, so, so what was written in stone in the Sumerian tablets is exactly what's going on today. Mm. And, and, and it happened before, and the Lord uh, flooded the earths and wiped everybody out and started all over again. And the same thing, it, we're leading towards that same thing. However, before I, I, I want to say that there's something happening to the planet right now, and that is this return of this ancient system, that which I call the Nemesis Nibiru system, that the ancient Sumerians, and that's that was the red disc that they, uh, the, the Egyptians and the Sumerians worshipped, was this, and also it's in the Zohar and the Torah. It's called the Messianic Red Star. That 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 comes around every thirty three thousand five hundred and sixty seven years, and we are seeing uh, parts of this system uh, enter into our solar system intersecting in our solar system, uh, interacting with our sun, uh, causing plasma exchanges, and this is going to bring about the end of this age and the beginning of the next age, and there is going to be another cataclysm. I will say that. So people need to prepare their hearts and their souls and get right with the Creator God, get, get their souls right, figure out what's going on, pick a side, and uh, and 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 you know get prepared for everything to change again. Interesting. So I want to take a quick half step backwards because um, <clears throat> there's a very interesting theme that's mentioned throughout One Enoch and arguably Jubilees, but um, that there's this need for control, right? So like the there's there was a really interesting um, lecture I I listened to about. Um, Cain and Abel, right? That, you know, Cain goes about, he, you know, he's cursed to walk the earth forever, and he builds the first city. And it's like, okay, cool, great, he built the city, why why does that matter? And there was a really interesting theory that was posited, it's like, well, he's trying to control reality, right? And he's trying, he's trying to do his best to control things by building stuff, right? And Enoch expands on this by, by basically saying, all this technology was given to us, you know, and we didn't really know what to do with it. And so it's like, you know, and so it's it's tools through which we can control our, our reality. And there was a really interesting dialogue between Plato and Socrates. I can never remember where it is, but I remember it very specifically because I thought it was super interesting. And Plato goes to Socrates and he's like, ah, oh, it's so great that, you know, the Egyptian god Thoth, you know, gave the Egyptians writing so then they could write everything down. And Socrates goes, that's not good. They're going to forget everything. If they write everything down, they'll just forget. And so... It was, and he, he makes a good point because it's like, you know, we, we use technology and essentially, you know, if you really want to get like real weird with it, you could say arguably we're cybernetic as it is, right? Because we have these extensions of ourselves that essentially are these mechanical portions, right? You know, I'm augmenting my, my vision with glasses. And so it's like, and, you know, yeah, and so, so is my dad, right? You know, we're, we're using technology integrated into ourselves in order to augment our reality because I am blind as a bat without these. And this, inter- this idea yeah. of control is brought up even again in Isaiah, right? You know, he's going on and on about idols and why idols are bad. And it's this idea of using these, these sort of tools or entities or whatever to try and control 
the world around us. And, you know, why, you know, it's, I, I actually really liked his story because essentially it's like, you know, the, the woodchopper goes home, you know, he chops down a tree, he goes to the market, he buys food, you know, he builds a fire, and he carves out this little idol, and, you know, he brings it back to his house, and he puts it on the, he puts it on his mantle, and at the end of it, you know, Isaiah's like, okay, well, you know, who did the work? Was it the man or the idol? And it's the same thing today, right? You know, we do all these things, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, who really did it? Was it me or my phone, right? <laughs> and not, you're right, not much really changes. And even if the symbols change, right? You know, I'm not carving little little men out of wood, but it's we still have all these things, you know, in our society. It's these universal symbols through which we try to control the world around us. And I think one of the really sort of things that gets missed especially in, in this, this concept, which I've tried to bring up many times and sometimes just goes right over people's heads, that through these things we try to control our reality. And by trying to, basically trying to dupe these cosmic forces into doing what we want them to do, there was a really interesting ritual that was done called the opening of the nostrils, which was essentially, you know, these pagan cultures would build these idols and then through a series of rituals by you know, burning incense and stuff, they would try to capture these spirits or these entities so then they can you know say all right give me a better harvest and it's like you know you see the differences between the idols i think it was of, of athena in athens versus cyprus and there was a difference between the two of them and how they looked and how they functioned and it's it's the same sort of thing nowadays now before we burn up the hour i i want to get your thoughts on this idea of control and us trying to dupe these forces well, uh, everything you said uh, is true historically and now, and I, I think that, that the big uh, problem that we're all facing, one of our biggest threats to um, humankind, our, the human race, is of artificial intelligence and transhumanism. And that is the ultimate uh, type of control where now, you know, we're walking around with this in our hands, but, uh, you know, eventually they want to fuse it into our bodies, okay? And then the idea is who gets to control that? Is your mind your mind anymore? Is your soul your soul anymore? Because this is what the battle is about over our minds and over our souls and who gets to control the human vessel. Mm. So there's um, a battle over our freedom right now, uh, spiritually, mentally, psychologically, physically, chemically, uh, genetically, uh, you know, economically. I mean, it's it just, this is what we're dealing with. This is our situation. And this is one of the reasons why we need a Messiah. We need someone to set the captives free. And that's what Yeshua said uh, in Isaiah 61 and also, you know, uh, in, in Luke, is that he came to set the captives free. People have to question who are the captives. The captives are us to this matrix, to this system. <laughs> and what you were describing about what went on in the past, this, this is all, you know, using sorcery and magic uh, to to basically uh, get demons to help them with this, that, and the other thing is all part of paganism and idolatry, and that's something that that's the biggest lesson of the Old Testament. That's what caused the Israelites to lose their land, and the fact that they're back in their land. Okay, that 19, you know that Israel is now a state again, which nobody thought could happen. 
it was in a, a, a virtual um, drought uh, for 1,800 years, and and then you know um, Israel is now uh, back, and that's that's a big piece of Bible prophecy. Okay, so so uh, I think everyone needs to keep their eyes on what's going on in the Middle East because the Middle East is ancient portals for all these beings that we've been talking about uh, today, mm-hmm. and and they're they're not dead, they haven't disappeared, they they are returning. Some of them have already returned, mm-hmm. and some of them have never left. They've been here all along, living amongst us inside the planet. Okay, so well, we're, we're out of time. Okay. Next time I want to talk about how you tell the real God from alien do-gooders. So in any case, uh, thank you so much. And you know, Stick around. We're going to do our announcements and uh, take it away, Ben. Yes. So we have a couple of things coming up. So if you're anywhere... Um, if you're anywhere around uh, in the Greater New England area, the Greater New England UFO Conference is back. Uh, and this will be a one-day event that's on uh, November 4th in Lemonster, Massachusetts. And you can wait for more details on that as time comes along. And you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WON, AM, and FM. Also, you can hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Anywhere that you get your podcasts, there we are. Uh, download our show app. It's free at BehindTheParanormal.com. Browse our books, along with those of our guest co-hosts, all at that website. Yes, and it, our website also has a charity page. With links to several good causes we have adopted over the years, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, and most recently, a GoFundMe page for the folks in East Palestine, Ohio, a site of the recent train wreck and chemical fire. So what's cooking for next week, Ben? Well... Next week, that's uh, July 16th, we'll bring you an open line show to tackle your questions on all sorts of high strangeness topics. And boy, oh boy, we have so many questions we never get a chance to get to. I know. And, and, it's, and it piles up and piles up and piles up, but it's okay because we have open line shows in order to discuss all these things. And it's always interesting, and it's never the same stuff. Very true. Uh, excuse me. So we leave you today with a thought from that old sweetheart, Albert Einstein. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. Mm. I'm Paul Eno. Oh, we still have like about 30 <clears throat> seconds here, Dad. Oh, just okay. getting just started. <laughs> Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Hi, this is Joe Callahan, your Mater D inside the Tiki Bar, letting you know the Tiki Bar is now open two days a week on ON, AM, and FM, Saturdays at noon, and a replay Mondays at 6. The Tiki Bar is sponsored by Attorney Bob Lauder, the Carew Investment Group, 
family discount furniture, and Pepin Lumber. Here's your chance to catch one full hour of Jimmy Buffett music inside the Tiki Bar, Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 6 on ONAM and FM. Hello, this is Manny Brando. I hope you will listen to us.